Hey, thank you for joining us on our online campus. We so appreciate you making the time to do that. Uh, we're actually in week number eight of our series, Summer Mixtape. But before we jump into that, uh, I just want to share an announcement with the whole church family. Uh, Jacob and Annie Bentley. Jacob has been the director of Valley Student Ministries. Uh, he has accepted a position back on the West Coast where they're originally from as a youth pastor at church out in Washington. And so uh, he's going to be transitioning off of our our staff in the early part of August there and I want to just let everybody know that and please just give your well wishes to Jacob and Annie they've done a fantastic job over the last 18 months while they've been here building up Valley Student Ministry and it's just con- going to continue to soar what I've done is really brought in some ringers asked some of our top leaders on our staff uh, to be interim leaders for Valley Student Ministry and that is Pastor Stephen Francis and Jasmine Francis, uh, you know them so well, and they've agreed to do that while we have the time uh, to really just follow the Holy Spirit's guidance in replacing, in a more permanent way, uh, who the leadership there at Valley Student Ministry is going to be. So we believe the future's bright, the best days are ahead, and and so uh, we're really excited. Wanted to let you all know that, and again, please just share your uh, your, your love and pour out your love and support for uh, Jacob and Annie and a job well done as they've been with us through really probably the toughest 18 months, I, I would say, a ministry that I've been a part of uh, in the last 31 years. And so you'll be seeing that change, that transition is going to happen here in just a couple of weeks uh, in Valley Student Ministry. But as for today, as I said, week number eight in our summer mixtape series, and, and I want to talk about uh, something that's kind of been on my heart. I've read this book this week, and I wanted to share out of it uh, called Free free of me and and that's what i've entitled this message and you'll see a link at the bottom of our notes you can order this book if you want to go a little bit deeper Uh, and and what this really is is going to be talking about what i think is one of the real keys and and before we uh, just just of life and having the life that god wants us to that he created you and me for Uh, but i want to start off by asking a question anyone else just experiencing like uh, the wedding season on steroids this summer? (laughs) I I just officiated my fourth uh, wedding that I've attended uh, in the last two and a half months. Four different weddings and and they just keep coming. More invitations you know to weddings. It's just I think it was a backlog because of 2020 and uh, if you were to ask me when we do premarital counseling uh, couples, we just finished that up again with, with another couple. Uh, what is the key? If you had to boil it down, what is the key to a happy marriage that lasts a lifetime? I, I would tell you this very simply. Defeat selfishness. That, that is the number one key to a satisfying, fulfilling, Christ-centered marriage is that you've got to learn how to defeat selfishness in your marriage. You have to learn how to defeat it in your own life is what it boils down to. And, and the reality is... Uh, I think that's the key to everything. I think that's the key to the Christian life, is defeating selfishness. Because we are so absorbed about ourselves, so self-absorbed. Oh, I'm not talking about you. You know, I'm talking about someone else. Don't elbow the person next to you if you're watching it with someone right now. Uh, I think we've all met those kind of people before, you know, where they just talk about themselves over and over and just da 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 And then finally they realize this is really kind of crazy, and then they're like, well, <laughs> enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? You, you know, it's just like they're just so much into themselves uh, that way. And, and this book really, uh, again, uh, uh, by Sharon Miller, uh, fantastic, called Free of Me. 
And, and so I want to just pull it out of the book there. I want to share with you what I think she was just spot on so much about that book, uh, the content of the book, Seven Signs of Selfishness. Seven Signs of Selfishness. And again, don't think about someone who needs to hear this message. Let's apply this to ourselves. So seven signs of selfishness. Here's the first one. When you make God about you. When you make God about you, when, when you just see God as kind of like some cosmic Santa Claus that, that will give you what it is that you want in life, that it's really about you and it's not really about him, that, that we think that it, it's all about, you know, me first. You know, I, I love Whitney Houston, man. She just sings like the soundtrack of Susie and I, my dating years, engagement, marriage, and all that. And one of her first hits was, was the greatest love of all. Learning to love yourself, it is the greatest love of all. I love Whitney. She's a completely wrong. That is not the greatest love of all. The greatest love of all is loving God first. It's about him, it's not about me. And in fact, Jesus put it this way when he was asked, what's, what's the greatest of all the commandments? In Luke chapter 10, verse 27, you see this in your notes on our website. He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. That's the first. First is not loving yourself, is loving God. Love God first. So, so in other words, when, when I make God about me, I miss the whole point. It's not about me. A relationship with him is not about me. It's about him. It's about what he's done. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Do you see which one's third? God's first, neighbor's second. I'm third. Jesus said, you're third. But when we say, no, I'm first, we put ourselves in the seat that God's supposed to be in in our life and so that's a sure sign of self selfishness and self-centeredness and and this destroys marriages families ruins churches i mean just you name it almost every time when you see relationships and things like that torn apart selfishness is that the the seeds of selfishness are there here's the second sign of selfishness when you make family about you Selfishness destroys families, absolutely destroys families. You know, uh, when, when, when we make it so that the, the, the family revolves around the kids, that'll destroy the kids, it'll destroy the family, when it's a kid-centered family. When, when we even make it so that the family surrounds mom and dad or the husband and wife, shaky ground, really building a house on sand, When a family is built with Christ at the center, he's the rock that we build our life on. That is, we defeat selfishness because God is at the center of the family and everything the family does is centered around what God wants, what his desire is, what his plan is. You know, it reminds me of Joshua. In Joshua chapter 24, he said, but as for me and my family, We'll serve the Lord. He, he basically is like, y'all, y'all go do what you want to do, but God's going to be first in our family. He, he has the, the primary priority. My family's going to be a God-centered family. And anything other than that, it, it ultimately is selfish. A, a third sign of, of selfishness is when you make your appearance about you. 
when, when, it's all, when we're just trying to impress people. Our culture is so obsessed with, with what meets the eye, physical appearance. And it doesn't mean let yourself go, but, but the reality is it, you know, the Bible says that man looks on the outward appearance, God looks on the heart. And I think we need to make that shift from selfishness, outward appearance, trying to impress, you know, always worried about how people view us, what people think about us, how many likes we have, how many views, you know, that we have. Instead, that, that we realize God, God has a bigger intention than just trying to dress to impress. In fact, Jesus shows us that example. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Instead, speaking of Jesus' mindset, he didn't come to impress people. He gave up his divine privileges. Think about this for just a minute. And he took the humble position of a slave. If there was ever anyone that could have said, look at me. But the Bible also tells us there was nothing in his former appearance that would draw men to himself. It was, there was nothing about what met the eye that would draw people to him. And that's, what he cho- that's how he chose to come, when he took a humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, not, not in royalty, not regal with a crown, you know, uh, and a scepter sitting, in a th- sitting on a throne. That wasn't the way Jesus came. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died as a criminal, uh, died a criminal's death on the cross. He humbled himself in the appearance of man as an act of love. He, he came down on our level. Instead of trying to impress people at a level that really he deserved, think about that, that the Bible says that he holds all the, the oceans and the, the, the whole earth in the palm of his hand. All things are held together by the power of his word. He didn't come to impress. That's Jesus. And, and so, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with looking nice, with, with dressing nice. Uh, my parents used to give this, this statement, modesty's in the middle. Modesty's in the middle. In other words, don't be the best dressed person in the room, don't be the worst dressed person in the room. Modesty is in the middle. You, you don't want to walk into a crowded room, Greg, my parents would tell me, and, and get the focus on you. Hey, me, 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 me. That is selfish. That's self-centered. So, so there's nothing wrong with dressing nice. You just don't want to be the nicest dressed, and you don't want to be the worst dressed. And so that's what modesty is. Because when we're, we're dressing to like, everyone look at me, I want to be the center of attention, that's selfish. That's self-centeredness. And, and so, you know, I feel this all the time, like, uh, you, you know, walking through like an airport, Atlanta airport when we're traveling, and, 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 and I told Susie this, she's like, that doesn't happen. I was like, it does happen. My, my wife, Susie, she's just like timeless. It look, she hasn't aged in like 20 years or anything. I look very different uh, in the last 20 years, and, and that's why, you know, I like to say women are like fine wine. Uh, they, 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 they age like fine wine. They just get better and better. Men, we age like milk. Just think about that for just a minute. You know, you don't want that milk sitting out on the counter for three weeks. It's not good. Not good wine, that's fine, but, but, but not, not the milk. But, but people look at me, and they do like a double take when Susan and I are walking together, and they're like, oh, you know, he, he must be a multimillionaire or something. That's why she's with him. You, you know, it, because we, we judge so much by outward appearance all the time when, when really we're exactly the same age. Uh, 
So when, when you make your appearance about you that it's about me all the time, that's also a, a sign, sure sign, of, of selfishness. How about the fourth one? When you make your possessions about you, that my value comes from my possessions. Now, it's pretty interesting uh, the, the Bible tells us, God's word inspired for us, that, that really uh, there's, there's a lot of trapping. Money's not evil, but the love of money is the root of all evil, the Bible says. And then there are warnings to those that are rich. And uh, before I share that warning and, and you kind of dismiss it as you're not one of those, let me give you a statistic. Try to wrap your head around this. In the world today, in 2021, if you own a car, it doesn't matter how old it is, it doesn't matter how new it is, what the mileage is, if you own an automobile, you are in the top 10% wealthiest human beings on the planet. Just let that sink in. See, we always think wealth is somebody else, you know, a billionaire. But the reality is, if you own a car... You're in the top 10% wealthiest human beings on the planet. And probably also, I didn't look at the statistics, but because the world is wealthier than it's ever been, probably the top 10% wealthiest human beings in history. Just one car. doesn't matter what condition it's in. And look at the warnings of Scripture about wealth. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, it says, Tell them, speaking of those that are wealthy in this life, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need. Always be ready to share with others. By doing this, they will be storing up, for, storing up their treasure as good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. And, and so selfishness is I never have enough or what I have really is what gives me my value. And that's a sure sign of selfishness when your possessions are all about you instead of God's entrusted me with some stuff and, and he wants me to be generous with the stuff that I have and to help those around me to, to really be generous and to share with those around me. Here's the fifth sign, sure sign of uh, selfishness, when you make your friendships about you. When you make your friendship, when you have all these expectations of what, how your friends are supposed to treat you, how they're supposed to be there for you, that in and of itself is selfishness. Instead of entering into relationships about how can I bless those closest to me? How, how can I bless my friends? That, that maybe God has allowed this friendship to be cultivated so that I can be there for them rather than they are there for me. Friendships, when it's all about me and, and you weren't there for me, you let me down, it can be a sign of selfishness. John 15, 13, we all hear that we've heard this before. Greater love has no man than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. It's not about the friends laying his life down for me. It's about me laying my life down for them. That's selflessness. And that's what the scripture talks about, and this is what Jesus was really talking about. I love this quote uh, from Ann Voskamp, and she put it this way, it is best to consider anyone a friend who drives us closer to God. If there is anyone that inspires you to move forward in your relationship with God, you know what? They're blessing you, and they're a real true friend. We don't need those friends that want to pull us away from God. They're not going to help us. They're trying to distract us, get us off course. But it's best to consider anyone a friend who drives us closer to God. Sixth sign of selfishness is when you make your calling about you. When you make your calling about you. That, that 
whatever it is that God created you for, when it's, it's not about you, it's about, again, helping other people, that we're here to make a difference. We're, we're, we're here for others. It's not about personal, you know, m- me getting what I want, doing what I want. In Colossians chapter three, the Bible talks about the mindset of, of our, when we're on the job at work it, it is meant to really bring glory to God, not glory to us. In Colossians 3, 23 and 24, it says, work willingly at whatever you do as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. It's, it's about him that he be glorified in what I do. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward and that the master you are serving is Jesus. So, so it's not your boss. It's Jesus. And he's watching the quality of our work. That, that there's even a greater purpose in it than just a paycheck. That, that we glorify him in the way that we work, the attitude that we bring, the work ethic that we have. And, and by the way, I think it's important to say this in our culture. Work is not a bad word. It's not a curse word. The Bible affirms the need for work, that people need to work. Really, really important. And, and so our work is not about, it's not about putting bread on the table. It's about glorifying Jesus in our work. It's actually, I don't want to get out on a rabbit trail, but it's, it's actually worship. Our work is a way that we worship or we don't worship God if we don't recognize that our work is supposed to be worship. I love this quote by Dorothy Sayers. She put it this way. Work is the full expression of the worker's faculties, the thing in which he finds spiritual, mental, and bodily satisfaction, and the medium in which he offers himself to God. So how does your work, doesn't matter what you do, I'm not just talking about being a pastor, how does your work show how you feel about God? Do, do, you, do you strive for excellence, getting better, always being teachable, and always wanting to learn and improve yourself? Or is it just maintain what you got? Just, just, just keep punching the clock. Mental and bodily satisfaction, spiritual, mental, and bodily satisfaction is to mean that we offer ourselves to God. And the seventh sign of selfishness is this. When you make your church about you. When you make your church about you. When when we gather and it's all about what's in it for me. That's a sure sign of selfishness. Because the reason we gather is not about me, it's about him. It's not about you, it's about Jesus. That's why we gather together in the name of Jesus. It's about him. And, and, and it's not even about, could I put it this way? It's not even about like seeing our friends. That's not a, that's not a good reason for it. That, that's selfish. I want to see the people that I like. And, and Jesus even spoke to this, this issue. Look at what he said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 46 through 47. If you only love those who love you, what, what reward is that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you're kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that. He's basically like saying, like, I got nothing to do with you just being friendly to your friends or, or being kind to those that are kind back to you. He's like, 
You're supposed to reach out and love others that you don't even know. And so the reality is our goal is not to gravitate towards people like us, but to gather strangers and turn them into family. That's the goal of the church. That's the goal of Valley Christian Church. Not, not to all of us think alike, have the same opinions, you know, just, just be cookie-cutter <laughs> copies of each other. That, that's, not, that's not the goal of the church. Our, our goal is not to gravitate toward people like us, but to gather strangers and turn them into family. That's why we're, we're not just, just, it's not a cliche, it's not a turn of phrase when we say the Valley family. Because we're, we're strangers who become friends, who become family. And I, and I love that there is not a profile type of person that attends Valley Christian Church. We're strangers who become family because of Jesus. So those are just seven little signs that maybe there's a whole lot more selfishness inside of us than we really want to admit. I know there is inside of me. How about you? How, how do you kind of like, if you rated yourself on a scale of one to ten for each one of those seven signs of selfishness, where would you be? Those low numbers or you got a, you know, you're scoring up, up there, you know, between 55 and 70 total on a scale of one to ten for each one of those. So how can we be free of me? How can I really get free of me? Well, I think primarily, there, there's other ways, but I think there's three big ways uh, that can kind of change us, help us to shift after we've seen these signs of selfishness in our lives, that we can actually be the people that God wants us to be, the you that God created you to be, so that can defeat selfishness in my marriage, in my friendships, in the church, on the job, in, in my, the way that I view possessions and material things. Three things I think that are so important and key to that, how to be free, again, based on this great book by Sharon Miller. The first is this, praise. To praise God. Because you know what? Our freedom has a focus. If we're gonna be free of me, we, we've gotta focus not on me, we gotta focus on him. Francis Chan, a great uh, spiritual leader, pastor, put it this way. We can't cure narcissism. That's self-obsessed with self. We can't cure narcissism by trying to ignore ourselves. The solution is to stare at God. We, we can't cure it by staring at, you know, what's inside of us and, and, and or like we're not ever going to think about ourselves again. The real cure is looking at him, focusing on God and who he really is. In fact, on our website, I gave a whole bunch of additional notes, just scripture references of who God really is and, and uh, where you can find those references in the Bible. Real quick, who, who is God? God, God is, it says, the Bible says the Lord is wise. He is faithful. He is holy. He is gracious and compassionate. He's merciful. He's just. He's slow to anger and abounding in love. He's our strong tower. He's our rock. He's our refuge. He is, has great power. He is the Savior. He's the Redeemer. He's the fortress and our hiding place. He is good. He is patient. He is kind. That's who God is. That's who we need to focus on because when we focus on who he really is, all of a sudden that selfishness, we start not feeling all blown up and puffed up full of pride. All of a sudden we start seeing who he really is. We start seeing ourselves the way we really are and, and that brings real humility into our lives instead of pride and arrogance and so I encourage you and that's why I had those notes put in there on our website you, you know send those notes to yourself uh, email them to yourself look up those scriptures 
just so powerful as we begin to focus on him and praise him. You know, coming up here soon is our worship night, and I invite you all to uh, Wednesday, August the 11th at, at 7 p.m. I encourage you, you're probably going to want to get here about 6.30 because the place is going to be packed. And it's just going to be an evening of worship. Uh, Joe Tuso and, and our, our worship team, we're just going to have a time of worship, about 10 songs in the set. And it's going to be powerful. That's one thing that just doesn't, you know, as we were all online uh, during the shutdown and all, we recognized that worship is just kind of hard. It's just not the same as being in the room with people. That There's a dynamic that's just really lost. And so we are so excited about this worship night, Wednesday, August the 11th. Just come and just focus on him. That's why we start off with worship every one of our services. It's not like the, you know, the pre-service. It's not like the you know, warm-up. Because there's something about when we come together and we worship him. We praise God for who he is. Not even so much what he's done. Thank God for what he's done. Thank God for all that he's done in my life and your life. But for who he is. For, for his nature, for his character. For all those things that just rattled off there that are in those additional notes. It changes us. Praise. Your freedom has a focus. So if we're going to be free of ourselves, we have to focus on him. That's where we find it. I love that Psalm 16, verse 8 puts it this way. I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Kind of reminds me of Peter when, uh, when Jesus was walking on the water, and he's like, is that you, Lord? He's like, yeah, it's me, Pete. Like, well, if that's you, just invite me to come on out. And he's like, come on out, Pete. Water's fine. So he slung his leg over there, and he started walking on water. And as long as he looked at Jesus, he kept on walking on water. But as soon as he took his focus off, he began to sink. I keep my eyes always on the Lord, the psalmist said. With him at my right hand, I'll not be shaken. The waves may crash, the storm may be pounding. But I'm going to keep praising you, God, not for what you even do, but for who you are. And I will not be shaken. Praise your freedom has a focus how to be free not only do we need to praise but we need to understand that one of the ways that we find freedom from ourselves from our self-centeredness is, is through people your freedom has a framework god is our focus and, and then as we're focusing on him you know what that changes how we relate to everybody else it changes our heart your freedom has a framework first john chapter 4 verse 11 through 12 the bible says dear friends that's, that means he's writing to Christians here. John, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. That the way that I treat and love or don't love others is a reflection of really how I love God or I don't. So our freedom has a focus, that's God. Our freedom has a framework, what's that? Relationships. That's why relationships are so important. That's why we emphasize relationships so much here at Valley Christian Church, that our relationships are healthy. That, that's why we're, we're here not, we're, we're not here just to build a church. That's not what this is about. We're, we're here to impact the community for Jesus Christ. 
Yeah, I know last week uh, Pastor Stephen shared about contribution that we, that we made to, to Sparrow's Nest. I, I'd like to just kind of circle back around that and so we really understand Valley Christian Church, you did that. That, that was a $5,000 contribution to Sparrow's Nest that, that the, uh, the founder is a member of our church, Krista Jones, and, and, and we did that because of your regular generosity. And we were like, you know what? We just want to help. We just want to make it. And we do this on a regular basis. They're one of our kind of like strategic partners. That $5,000 that, 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 that Susie and I were honored to represent you, Valley Christian Church, and given to Sparrow's Nest, that, that fed 200 families that are dealing with a cancer diagnosis, a battle with cancer right now in our community, in the Hudson Valley. Approximately 700 people were fed by that $5,000. Because we're not here for ourselves. We're here for those that aren't even here. And there's so many people in the Valley family that are involved with Sparrow's Nest, have run, have, have done all kinds of volunteer work and all. And if you don't know much about Sparrow's Nest, I encourage you to just check out sparrowsnestcharity.org. There's the, the website right there. Doing an incredible service, an act of love to those that are really hurting in our community. And one of the cool things is because we did that, it's not why we did it, but uh, those 200 families, I think it was for two weeks, really, uh, they're about two and a half weeks that basically all the meals that were made was, was funded by you, Valley family. That there was a, there, there's a label put on it and said, this given to you with love from Valley Christian Church. Because we're here to change the community. Not, not, not just to have church for us. We're, we're here for those that haven't even darkened the door yet, just to show and demonstrate the love. We want to be a selfless church, and you are, and we need to continue to be that. So people, your, your freedom has a framework. And, and then how are we free, from, <laughs> free of ourselves? Through praise, through focusing on others, on people, and, and then that we have a purpose. God has created you on purpose for a purpose. Your freedom has a fulfillment. It's when we discover that purpose that God made each and every one of us for uniquely, and then we come together as a church family, and what is our purpose for being here is for those that aren't here to impact this community for the cause of Christ. There's deep satisfaction and fulfillment that we never find any other place, any other way besides fulfilling the purpose God created you for. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10 talks about this. There's so much in the Bible that talks about this. 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14 as well. Romans uh, as well in the book of Romans. 1 Peter 4, 10 says, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well, how? Not to promote myself, but to serve others. That's why we have growth track here at Valley Christian Church. Uh, that you can find what your spiritual gift is. Most people don't even know what their spiritual gift is that God's given to them to serve others, and there's this deep fulfillment and satisfaction. You know, as, a, as a, you saw earlier uh, in our online service, our, our kids' summer blast, we had over 50 people volunteer time to make that happen. Adults, teenagers, high school students, and it was just so powerful. Why? Because they were using their spiritual gifts to serve others to serve others and deep man they were exhausted and worn out and and huge kudos and praise to 
Pastor Karen Johnson, our elementary Valley Kids pastor, who, who just, there's nobody that can put on a three-day summer blast extravaganza like Karen Johnson can. And, and her team, and, and, and they're exhausted. <laughs> but you know what? You talk to them, oh man, that, what a great time that was. Because there's this deep feeling of fulfillment and satisfaction. Because they're using their spiritual gifts to serve others. And that's why we have a dream team. We call them dream teamers. All of our volunteers, week in and week out, dream teamers. Deep sense of fulfillment when we use those spiritual gifts that God's given to us to touch other people's lives. Touch other people's lives. In Luke chapter 11, verse 33, it talks about, you know, it's not about us, it's about shining the light of Christ to others. Luke 11, Jesus says, verse 33, no one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it'll be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. That, that's, that's what God created me for. That's what God created you for. That, that the light of Jesus Christ in a selfless way, a servant way, would shine through our lives for those who hadn't come in yet and they'd be able to see the way to Jesus that's why we're here we can be free you can be free I can be free of me you want to have a great marriage defeat selfishness in your life you, you want to have a, a healthy family defeat selfishness in, in your life you want to have Christ centered friendships Defeat selfishness in your life. You, you want to have a fulfilling career? Defeat selfishness in your life. Praise Him. Praise Jesus. That's the freedom when we focus on Him. Recognize there's a framework. That, that's the relationships that God's given to you to love and to serve those around you. And you'll find fulfillment when you are fulfilling the purpose that God created you for. One of my favorite quotes by one of my favorite authors, C.S. Lewis, and I don't know why, if you just go by your initials, it seems like people quote you more than other folks, but C.S. Lewis, I'm gonna go by G.S. Williamson from now on, see if that works, I don't know. Maybe somebody will quote me at some point. But, but C.S. Lewis put it this way, humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's thinking of yourself less. That's what real humility is. It's not thinking you're a dirty dog, you're worthless. That's not humility. That's not true. You're so valuable. That's why Jesus came and died for you, for me, and rose again. So, so humility is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. It's thinking about God more, others second, and I'm third. That's how we defeat selfishness. That's how we become free of me, 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 me. I'm gonna ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you that Jesus showed us the way. Lord, so many times we, we see other people and we think they're selfish, but we, we don't look into the mirror and see maybe one, two, 
all seven of these signs of selfishness that really affect us and we're infected by selfishness. God, we pray by the power of the Holy Spirit that you would pour out your grace. We receive your grace today to defeat selfishness in our lives and to begin to live lives that more reflect Jesus than even who we are. God, as we focus on you and we praise you, not even for what you've done, we thank you for what you've done through sending your son. We thank you for giving us life. We thank you for all your blessings. Lord, we thank you for who you are, the essence of who you are. And Lord, may we, as we focus on you, may that focus of our praise on you spill over into the framework of our friends and our family and those around us, that we would be a blessing to those around us, and we'd find fulfillment as we fulfill the purpose that you created us for, not for ourselves, but for others. Thank you, Lord, for your word that instructs us, that that corrects us, that redirects us when we need to be redirected. And Lord, may we live out your word that we've heard today free of me. In Jesus' name, amen.